impressed I found a way to get all the girls undressed I do a kick, a kick, a kick, a kick And I'll flip Ladies go crazy when I do all my tricks Standing I am so cool and I am so hip Cause I can kick, a kick, a kick, a kick And I'll flip you know what time it is? It's tremendous time, folks. And coming through your ears, just like you've heard before, we have the Stiffy Fellas with Kick Another Flip from the album uh, Art Rock One. Uh, Jason John, Sydney artist. Reach out to him if you like that music. But guys, reg- that doesn't matter. Forget that. Forget everything I just said. We have Sydney comedian Shane Hunter, first guest inside of the podcast with some comedy skills comparable to Tom Wickham. I'm actually from Brisbane, bro, so... Shit. Yeah, cheers. The, the production on this podcast is just that. Uh, we, don't know, we don't even know who our guests are, really. Um, that's an interesting song, you know, like the lyrics I was talking about, some shit about finding a way to get the chicks to take their clothes off or whatever. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, you know... Kickflips. Kickflips, you know. Like, because it kind of reminds me, like, when you're kind of like a 20-year-old, did you ever go through this shit when, like, you're kind of 18 or whatever where you, you think that there's some sort of, like, code you can say. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, you got that video game mentality to, like... Well, you've seen them do it. You've seen girls that, like, guys, they're like, there must be something they're doing or saying. Yeah, like, 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 as if it's a video game, like, you can hold the code, like, you hold L1, and then you do left, right, left, right, left, right, left, right, and then she smiles or some shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, they think there's, like, a pickup line or some shit. And, you know, there's obviously a bit of that, but then, like, as you get older, you realise, oh, actually, it's really important to have a job. You know, like that, that, they also really like that, you know what I mean? Even as a kid with a paper route, it shows ha- initiative. Have a life uh, first, then worry about the pickup lines, you know? <laughs> That's, and like, as that, uh, how's that work? It's like, it's like, actually, it does like make sense like a video game. Cause you know, like, if you try and fight the final boss too early, you don't have enough like levels yeah, and yeah, shit yeah. and they just wipe you out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you have to like run around training, you know, level up your character. 100. You can't go, you can't go and claim the gym in Pokemon until you go and beat the other sort of, that, uh, the up the up and comers. That's it, you know. It's like you know, maybe you're in a relationship that's okay, and you know you got that gym badge, but you're looking to take out the the elite four. That's right. You got to beat Brock and Onyx. You got to take them down. That's it. That's it. So uh, okay, you you're uh, like like we pointed out at the start. You're actually from Queensland, uh, and you that's like you, we pointed out. Yeah, yeah, that's what like like yeah, we pointed like, out as a team. Yeah, you're you're yeah. supposed to be here as the new Tom. Work with me. Work with me here. Uh, the you're from Queensland. You, you reside in Queensland, but you have blessed us in Sydney with your comedy. Um, I actually first met you uh, when I was first um, starting comedy and uh, took a, a heavy liking to your uh, to your material and uh, had to come to a show. And you let me uh, give some notes. You're like, oh, let me uh, just. You threw me the biggest bone. You're like, let me know what you think about these jokes uh, at this trial show and give me some notes. So I gave you some notes afterward, and you like took your time to listen to them. And uh, yeah, because I was like, man, this guy, you know, him doing comedy, it's going to be a hard slog for him, you know, like he's going to need some encouragement here, you know, so felt like, you know, a bit of lifeline community <laughs> shit, you know. You saw what I was rocking with and you're like, oh, goodness me. Yeah. Like, I don't oh, have the dude, heart to this tell This guy him. needs all the help he can get. Yeah. It's know? not my job to tell him to quit. It, but it's like I was asking you to do notes and so you could actually start to think about comedy. Do you know what I mean? It's like this guy's <laughs> never put a pen to paper. So maybe if we get him to do some notes, he'll have some sort of concept of what's going on. And so it, Shane sort of showed me what it's uh, what it's all about to be an older comedian and how to treat, uh, even if they're only a little bit younger than you, a couple of years or whatever, how to just treat the, treat them and make them feel like well, welcome and stuff like that, regardless of how much talent they don't have. 
Well, no, to be honest, man, I, I thought you had like, you know, some good jokes and shit pretty early on and, and I thought that was good. But I, I think it's also this thing of like the older you get, the more you realise, maybe it's because you're giving up, um, <laughs> but the more you realise how like arbitrary and meaningless like your social hierarchy is, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, because you know, like there's like social hierarchies, you know, in all scenes, workplaces, and like there would be gossip and drama at like the fucking Redfern Kite Flying Association, you know, where yeah. people are like, oh, it's the new kite. He's got a shit kite. Of course. He's not very good at kite flying. Do you, you know, think, let's you shun him and, and, you know, leave them out of the group or whatever. And, and you know, I think, um, I don't know. Well, I was going to say, do you think that you've managed to avoid it somehow? Like, like any being out of a social hierarchy? Sure, the ones from like your uh, immediate life, like at work and school, like old school friends or, uh, you know, whatever that you still uh, retain kind of thing. It's up to you how much you can really care about that. But if you're pursuing well, comedy... And well, all right, so there's two things that could be going on, right, in terms of the, the trying to transcend the fucking gossipy bitchiness, right? One is, like, obviously I'm still a cunt. And then two, um, it's like, am I, like, encouraging younger comedians or do my peers at my level not want to hang out with me? And so I'm <laughs> like, hey, hey, let's take advantage of some of the free connection I could get from some of the younger people who haven't figured out what a fuckhead I am yet. You oh, know? my like, God. There's a concept called slave morality. Yep. Yeah. Have you heard of this one? Uh, it, is it something like, is it a little bit like uh, Stockholm Syndrome? No, oh, I can't, in a way. But basically it's like an observation where, um, Nietzsche's observation where he's like, all right, so actually they've done studies that validated his theory. So, for example, like the loser kids in school mm. um, that no one wants to hang out with, they've got the narrative that they're really, like, um, inclusive and, like, really, like, I'm not judgmental like those other people. I'll hang out with anyone. And it's actually because, yeah, you have to because no one will hang out with you if you don't. Oh, that's interesting. So they've taken that default position and they made it virtuous. Oh. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know how, like, I don't want to, like, hang shit on fat chicks or whatever. You know, I, you know we're all fucking whatever. But like, you know, you know, those guys are like, oh man, I really love fat, unattractive chicks. You know, I really love it. It's like, do, do you, They've reserved or, or is that what's available to you? And oh, now you've man. made it virtuous. That's like when someone like, uh, throws water in your face and, and then you're like, I, I was hot anyway. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's backwards rationalizing from like the, the fact it's sort of like, uh, you know, are you a, a nice person or are you kind of a weak person? Cause I was thinking about like the difference of these two phrases, right? For example, if I say, oh, he's a really nice guy, he wouldn't hurt a fly versus he's a really nice guy, he couldn't hurt a fly. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's, so, he's such a nice guy, he couldn't hurt a fly, you know, because he, ha he has to be nice because he's, he's nothing without nice. Do you, you think that I mean? people want to be in proximity and friends with people that couldn't hurt a fly or wouldn't hurt a fly? Well, do they even know the difference? You know what I mean? That's that's what we're talking about, like being immersed in your own narrative or whatever. True. So if you're like, oh, Shane's, Shane's a nice, nice guy or whatever, maybe it's just like desperation and like fear and loneliness that's driving that. You know what I mean? <laughs> Break that down a little bit. Oh, it was just, you know, just like, uh, oh, he's a nice guy. Oh, he's, you know, he's making time. It's, it's because he has only time on his hands i okay is do you think that that's is is that a critical um I, I, self-judgment that is also uh next to other judgments of yourself and is not the only one or? i think I, I don't necessarily think that's the case i'm just thinking that like one thing that i think is interesting is like because that's not the we, fucking case that, that's, we, we don't Larry, so you'd say we that. don't necessarily know to what extent our motivations and our values are just subject to what's convenient in the environment like I had a joke ages ago about those SJWs like, oh, they should really let in refugees and all that. And it's like, 
you put that same like sensitive like fucking liberal minded dude in a prison and like the chances of him joining the Aryan Brotherhood are going right up. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And so um so by making so isolating you and making you alone it's like uh you're it's likely going to reach out to me so you're you're comparing me to the aryan brotherhood yeah you're like the aryan brotherhood <laughs> in the prison of the open mic scene um but yeah anyway i'm just yeah what else is going on bro uh, i've got a question for you have you ever um when was the when was the uh, what's the earliest memory what's the earliest memory of you disappointing your parents fuck man it was kind of hard because i was kind of neglected so um so they disappointed you yeah like they weren't even paying attention you know like there was low standards in my like some of the you benefits must have, you must have done something really bad really early ben, the benefits of like um of uh of of having like junky parents is like it's you know how people like oh i want it's so hard to live up to the expectations of my parents you know it's so hard well the, <laughs> the, the bar's been set so low for me that like if I make my own sandwich, it's like, oh, mind-blowing. Like, how, wow, dude. In our family. Shane's in up. our family. You're going to make it, kid. He's the first to make his own sandwich <laughs> in our family. We're so proud of him. He's got the cheat codes. Yeah. He's got the toast cheat codes. Okay, so... Okay, you said... Um, but I do have, like, an interesting story that I heard about my childhood, and this is probably where my relationship with the performing arts started. So apparently when I was, like, maybe, like, one and a half or two or some toddler age, you know, can't remember it, or maybe I blocked it out. Apparently I got out of my crib, shattered my nappy, and then I just started to like rub the nappy all along the walls, pulled out all the drawers, rubbed the fucking shitty nappy on all the shit in the drawers. <laughs> and just, it must've done that for like, I don't know, 45 minutes or whatever before someone came in and then there's just shit everywhere. Apparently my brother who's older, like came in, saw it and like screamed. <laughs> You know what I mean? And I'm there proud like Picasso, like with my You're fucking paintbrush. You're the Marquis paintbrush. Desaad, bro. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm Jackson Pollock of my, you know, that was the first, like, you know, that's how I knew I wanted to get involved in creativity and the arts, you know? And, and I actually think that my brand of comedy and the kind of subject matter I'm interested in today, I'm just rubbing my shit all over the audience. You know what I mean? Just and then what, bring up your neuroticism did and you your take mental a bow problems. When your brother walked into the room, <laughs> you're like, and that's my set. Uh, yeah, 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 I'm yeah. handing out flyers at the door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. doing shit high fives. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, maybe that's the, that's the marketing gimmick I need. Surely there's like, you know, people in the scatological fetishes or whatever that you could do a comedy show you about. You kill a show in Berlin doing that. Yeah, totally. You'd have a, if you do it in a like a one, if you do a one a.m. show down like a, a basement, something's uh, in like a basement, uh, sort of in like a red light district equivalent kind mm. of thing, you would have. I mean, a lot of rain jackets at that hour, a lot of top hats and rain jackets. You wouldn't see a lot of the audience faces, but uh, it would be full with the scatter scatter uh, files. Scatter files. Yeah. 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 Uh, so Shane and I were just talking. I didn't realize, I didn't notice, but on his Instagram, he has been actually working on some uh, sketches. We've been we were just talking about some sketch comedy and uh, and and how how it uh, may, may or may not show up on this podcast. It's arguable, but uh, but you've been working. You just showed me a, a video of. Do uh, you want to give it explain of the fuck with five thousand? It was pretty awesome. Uh, well, basically, I recently got diagnosed with ADHD. Okay. Right. Self-diagnosed? Uh, no, like a f doctor, you know. Was he your mate? <laughs> yeah, he's okay. my drug dealer. He's like, mate, you fucking got ADD. We I'm call gonna, him the doctor. I'm going to prescribe you some fucking weed, mate. No, um, yeah, we call him the doctor. Uh, yeah, psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. um, can you get tick off your psychiatrist? So anyway, the point is um, AD, ADD, right? I'm pretty sure every comedian's got it. So basically, it sounds ridiculous, right? So when they first discovered 
ADHD or the first name they gave to it like 100 years ago, they called it moral deficiency disorder, right? And it makes sense why they would call it because listen to the symptoms. Basically, I can't do things unless I really want to do them. Okay. Right? So like it's like having a brain where you only can do shit you're hyper interested in. Do you know what I mean? Like you can't just do fucking admin or whatever. Like when they scan the brain of ADHD people, when they're doing like shit they don't want to do, like paying bills or whatever, the blood actually drains out of their frontal lobes. <laughs> like it's like erectile dysfunction for fucking paperwork, man. <laughs> and so, and so when when um, you know when when uh when they give you speed or whatever, it, the the blood flows back into the the frontal lobes, right? So you can actually focus on that shit. So it's like okay. it's literally like Dexys for ADD people. It's like viagra for fucking paperwork that's unbelievable you know I, mean? I, mean, I didn't realize the uh the physiology of it and um that makes a lot of that mean that, that that's fascinating but, but doesn't it just sounds like a i'm a cunt though because like all this time like people talk to me or my girlfriend talking about her day at work and i'm just tuning out because i just can't <laughs> do it man and they have to give me speed in order to be able to listen to her you know what I mean? like it's, it's just, like the elbow in your brain has been dislocated and you're trying to lift it but no there's no power in it. yeah that's <laughs> just, oh, i can't i can't get it up honey i can't get up my interest boner you know, like apparently it's all got to do with your prefrontal cortex. So I've got like the micro penises, the prefrontal <laughs> cortexes, you know what I mean? And it's sort of interesting, like, because they would give speed to like World War, like two pilots to fight the Germans over like the Battle of London in the sky or whatever. Mm. And I need that same level just to fucking pay attention to some kind, <laughs> you know? And uh, yeah, so anyway, so like it's basically, I've got I can't be fuck syndrome. So I made a sketch where it was called the fuck whip for 3000. So, okay, another uh, tip for understanding ADD is um you know they procrastinate and they start projects and don't finish it blah 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 sound familiar dude oh, sound familiar painfully yeah. can i ask you just really quickly before we get into uh the sketch kind of thing do you ever get a sense of even when you do get past that resistance or that wall of like fuck i've got to sit down and actually do these taxes or something is there a sense of achievement on the other end when you do defeat that um mund mundanity uh yeah yeah but i'm never in there long enough for that to like sustain my you've never you've never you've you know? never taken a w I've never done my own taxes, bro. I just, <sighs> dude, I have to pay people like before I got my retail pills to fucking sit in the room while I did some marketing job just so I would do it. You know what I mean? Like that's how I just, yeah, horribly dysfunctional. Yeah, moral deficiency disorder. And uh, yeah, so anyway, so like a better way of understanding it, it's like you want to do it and you know you should do it. Mm. So a better way of calling the disorder, because they named it something silly, um, attention deficit, what they should call it is intention deficit disorder. So I can't follow through with any of my fucking intentions. <laughs> you know what I mean? And like I half live in a fantasy where I'm always think I'm about to do something. You know what I mean? Do, I, I was trying to write a bit the other day. I don't know if you do this. How often does it show up in like all aspects of your life? Yeah, everything, dude. Mm. Everything. And you are trying to write Just a bit a about it. shit family member, shit employee, shit boyfriend. <laughs> shit comedian just general is part of adhd uh a really low opinion of oneself well or? no that comes from the symptoms because when you fuck everything up you sort of like totally oh this is empowering yeah. you know yeah it's like <laughs> you have to you have to be faced with uh the fact that you didn't go to the gym because you have adhd and then you uh then you're annoyed that you're fat because you didn't uh, go to the gym and then you're like, man, it's just it's like uh, self. It's man, just it's like, um, did you hear about like a few years, a uh, year ago or whatever, that Boeing fucked up and they made a plane where the autopilot would overpower the pilot and they would like crash into the water and shit. So the pilot would be trying to pull up the fucking gear stick on these mm -hmm. commercial planes and then the AI would be like, no, you're, 
you know, it misread what was going on. No way. And then, and then yeah, the two planes died and it was oh a big fucking God. thing. Anyway. The planes died. <laughs> yeah, the planes. I feel sorry for the they plane. They drowned. Yeah, that's, that's how autistic I am. I'm like, oh no, what a waste of a good plane engine. <laughs> this is equivalent of me, yeah, of me yeah. saying uh, you're did, from Did Sydney. they save the block box, you know? <laughs> Um, so, uh, that's what it feels like with ADD. It's like, I've got all these intentions, these great plans, your writer's to-do list. And then you're just like going to the fridge or like going to pick up weed and you're trying to pull up the fucking thing, you know? Mm. So it feels like revving in neutral in a car. Yeah. Fuck. And okay. So anyway, so I made like a sketch fucking, I don't know. You can't describe it. You can't describe it. All I would say, okay. If you're trying to look for the thumbnail on the, on your it's Instagram. Called, it's called fuck with 5,000. Fuck with 5,000. And it's just a, like a, a sketch where apparently if you've got ADD, you have like a poor working memory, right? So you forget what you're meant to be doing and you get immersed in whatever you're in. Yeah. And so having an external um, uh, representation of what your intentions actually helps people with ADD. Yeah. And I sort of went to the extreme and basically the fuck with 5,000 is like wearing a helmet with like a fucking little rod with a piece of paper at the end that has your to-do list. So you're walking around, you're always seeing your to-do list, you know, because that's how... <laughs> desperate i got after you know my relationship fell apart with this amazing girl because i was such a spastic <laughs> okay so is your did you have a relationship with this girl uh, that you deemed successful like did you see it had, had a future uh no not really man i told her day one that i was a spaz but um so then maybe you just fucked it up out of um cowardice of just not wanting to break it up no, no, no. It's not like that. It's like, okay, so basically, you know, I was trying to, you know, get a full-time job, get more money, be more responsible, be more president stuff. But um, with ADD, be you, more president. you have a, a, a lack of things called executive functions. So that's like being, being able to prioritize, manage, delay gratification, all this mm. shit that makes you a moral person. And um, that's really interesting. And I lack that shit. And so um, I would do spastic shit like just play video games instead of working on my career and, you know, closing the toilet door too late at night and, and you know, wouldn't do like nice organized surprises and shit for her and mm. all the stuff I would have loved to been able to do. So it's like, like one day I remember she was crying just, uh, just from just the amount I disappointed her. Do you know what I mean? Just imagine, imagine that. Like oh, she's just shame. crying over how much of a disappointment oh, you no. are. And then, you, and then you sat there with no then, emotional tools to be able to comfort her. You're just like, you're just like, oh, sorry, <laughs> so it's, it's happened again. <laughs> and then and I'll then, try harder. Yeah, and then your whole school you fuck up because you can't pay attention. And then um, yeah, and then you join an anarchist cult for four years instead of following through with your comedy career. And then um. <laughs> You fucking get to like 32 or whatever and it's sort of like, you know, this is what ADD is like. Do uh, you ever like drive home from work or whatever and then you kind of arrive home but you forget the journey because you're immersed in your daydream? 100%. Yeah, so ADD is like having that your whole life but you get to 32 and you're like, how did I get here? How come I don't have any money? What's going on? Oh my goodness. Yeah. This is painfully, I, th I, I, I think I know why you took me under your <laughs> wing a little bit. You were like, ah, this little guy, this little spectrum kid is uh, walking around. Dude. That sounds painfully. Okay, so if you, what would you say? What would you say to fifteen-year-old Shane? If you want to uh, go younger, uh, we can do that. But I would say, uh, all right, kid, fucking, uh, you know, play chess, but it's not the main thing you're gonna do. Get into comedy. Um, start taking your retard pills. You're gonna want to run around, do all this like crazy shit, and have all these adventures. Um, just fucking buckle down on comedy and don't fucking just take your retard pills <laughs> and everything's going to work out fine. Just work really hard because all that shit about like, oh, you know, acceptance and shit, that's just some crap people say 
to deal with their envy and resentment. And all that matters is we live in a brutal meritocracy and that it's only going to get better if you have money and you're good looking. So focus on those things and, and keep going, kid. <laughs> I think that kid. I think that you that would be the equivalent of uh, breaking uh, Santa for like a little kid, but it gets it's like ten times worse, and it would be healthy for them. The earlier, the better. Take the band aid off. That's it, mate. Yeah. Um. Uh. This. Okay. So, w- have you ever had revenge taken upon you, or taken revenge upon somebody else? You, you, you're asking questions that are like the most fucking general. Like, hey, have you ever experienced life? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Have you ever cried? At, uh, have you ever seen a sunset? Have you ever have you ever felt the delicate wind brush across your face on an autumn's day? You know, it's all it's all it's all very interesting questions. But yes, I, of course, that's well, let happened. me point so, out something that for you and I, that is like a, a, that's a completely normal question. Uh, every time I ask Tom a question like this, he looks at me with this private school disgust. And it's just like, like absolutely not. And disgust and confusion. And then I elaborate on a story. And for me to be sitting here with you, a fellow degenerate. Man, uh, I feel like Tom Whitaker, for him to, <laughs> to really improve his comedy, he needs to start dealing drugs or like get into some hard, you know, get into MMA or whatever and get rid of that smug little look on his face. Don't you reckon? <laughs> I, look, Tommy Forrest, Tommy Forrest Whitaker, uh, he, he's on a hiatus right now. Um, and he's, look, he's disrespecting this podcast, frankly, uh, by being, uh, far away. And I think that he could, I think he, he could actually take up MMA. We've actually discussed him calling out a comedian. Last week we discussed, uh, discussed him calling out a comedian for a celebrity boxing match, pseudo celebrity boxing match and build him up, uh, with, uh, other pseudo celebrities until he's fighting a real celebrity. Um, and that's why we called out Sydney comedian, Artie Gallagher to a boxing match at, uh, Magic Mike. Yeah, that's sick, dude. I agree with you. Like I'm saying, we should get him like not an MMA match, but a boxing. I don't know how good he is with his feet. Totally. All right. So, have you ever taken revenge or taken revenge upon somebody else? Uh, yeah. So, um, you know, yeah, revenge is sort of interesting. So, like, uh, I, I can I kind of say a joke or whatever. So you can say whatever so, you want. So basically, like a bit that's like new or whatever. I've got about like kind of male aggression See. and the way it changes as you get older. So as a teenager, you're punching holes in walls, yep. right? That's your sort of like revenge. And then uh, as you sort of get older, you just see people on the street when you're like 20 and you're like, you want to fucking go, cunt, you know? And then as you get older, it becomes more abstract and philosophical. Like they say, if you stare into the abyss, the abyss stares back into you. To which I'll say, what are you fucking looking at, Abyss, huh? Come here, I'll fucking drop you, Abyss. Huh? I'll fucking smash you. I'll smash the Abyss. Have you ever tried to glass the Abyss? Right? That's what I did. So what happened is, um, I think partly because of the undiagnosed ADD or whatever, I had a big chip on my shoulder, like not fitting in with fucking society or the normal path and stuff. And so um, I got like really into, um, into like left-wing politics, you know? And I think that's, um, I think a lot, you know how I was talking about slave morality earlier, you know, like a lot of the fucking, um, uh, you know, stuff around social justice worries and stuff. It's not so much that they, they have a mask and a veneer about caring about the poor and the misfortunate, but what they really have is tall poppy syndrome, right? They're just resentful that anyone's doing better than them. Interesting. Right. And so like Karl Marx, for example, right, who, whose theories are horse shit and predicted nothing but justified the deaths of millions of people. His earlier writings when he was a teenager and he was like born into the privilege as fuck and his dad was like, I spoiled you. And by all accounts, he was a sociopath, like his partner Angles or whatever, who was like owned a fucking factory, right, that paid for Karl Marx to have his, 
alcoholic, do nothing lifestyle, right? So he's just this fucking bludger. You're talking about the, Karl um, Marx. the founder of the Mar- Marxist uh, philosophy. Yes, I'm talking about Karl Marx, right? For, for I'm our- talking about his character and his motivations and how that relates to revenge and how that is inside the hearts of every SJW today and, and a lot and of the social movements today. And you say that you became affiliated with uh, those sort of um, philosophies and values through, uh, you, you say you gravitated towards leftist um, ideology? Yeah, yeah, because it's a great way to get revenge, you know. It's like, uh, it's like, oh, capitalism's evil. Look, look how bad society is, and you know, there's heaps of bad shit. But what happens is you get sucked into a narrative, and then you look at confirmation bias, where you only look at the negative shit. You know, like I talked about in that in, in that in my show. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's obviously heaps of fuck mm. shit that happened in Australia with to the indigenous, and which was an amazing show. I got to catch Shane. Shane tells Australian history, amazing fucking show. Just while I passed by, you got to check out Shane Hunter. And so, um, and you know, a lot of people like, oh, it's a racist patriarchy, and it's like, it's like, is it? It's it's the most ethnically diverse secular population on the fucking world. How can it be so fucking racist? You know. It's so safe and prosperous for women compared to everywhere else in human history. There's no contrast. And mm. so what happens with ideology is like it, it turns into baby think and it splits the world. And then people like a flat earther, they just look for information that confirms. And there's heaps of bad shit in a planet with 7 billion people. So they're just like fucking dining on all this negative shit that's like amping up their narrative and stuff. And then they get so full of hate and rage and... And I think they want revenge um, because they're unhappy and, and that sort of unhappiness becomes a generalized revenge on the world. Like for example, school shooters are motivated because they perceive they're not fitting in or, or maybe feeling like outsiders as somehow everyone's against them and then they generalize the hate to the whole society and then they want to take it out by doing a shooting rampage. And Do I think, you think communism- that's more mental health as opposed to uh, a, a, an allegiance or an al- uh, allegiance to a belief? Um, I think that, that those things intersect. <clears throat> okay. I think they intersect. And um, uh, yeah, I think if you like exercise and eating right and sleeping well and all that stuff and you've got a good social group, you're probably less likely to fucking um, become an extremist, right? Mm. Um, but, uh, you know, and so like, uh, yeah, and so, you know, they, they, yeah, so in terms of revenge, I became like an anarchist, which is the I can't believe it's not butter of communism right because i knew communism sucked but then they had this like fucking other version <laughs> where it's like oh it's communism but we don't have a government somehow we're just going to hold hands and dance around in a circle and communism it's all going to be light. fine <laughs> yeah yeah there's 99 percent fucking uh government tyranny three free you know it's just the fucking vanilla coke of communism and so that's awesome yeah and i got involved in that and and you know that was coming from a place see the thing is that there's a relationship between empathy and revenge that's that 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 uh exists that people don't really understand. So people confuse empathy with morality, right? It is more complicated than that. For example, it's the empathy uh, a mum bear has towards her cubs that makes her um, rip your face off if you go near her cubs. So by abstraction, if I tell you that there's a class of Jews that are persecuting you and everyone you love and you believe that by abstraction or activate the same circuits in your brain, and that empathy you have to the in-group turns into homicidal rage and revenge, and then you start putting people in ovens, right? And so, uh, yeah, when it comes, it's the same machinery as a lot of that like left-wing shit about patriarchy and white supremacy and capitalism. It's all just in fucking blobs, and they're all your enemy, and uh, and they're all all these people have been victimized, and it's the empathy for this perceived in-group justifies your not acknowledging their own dark parts in your soul that 
get off on power tripping and justifying at ripping the image of other people down that might be perceived of having a better life than you. So you can narcissistically elevate yourself in your own mind to being uh, having this unearned moral superiority and uh, and that helps protect your ego. You, you really thought this out. Yeah. You spent some time thinking Yeah, had, had a little bit of a think. <laughs> how long did it take you to come to this conclusion? And how many... I, I can't imagine that it, it, you wouldn't have come to this opinion without making uh, mistakes along the way. Uh, it w- I imagine it wasn't a smooth path to um, wherever we are now. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I had to spend years kind of moving away from any kind of thinking about any kind of politics and, and bring my life in a lot closer and... You know, like, uh, like you know, one of my jokes or whatever sort of explains the mentality. It's like um, I saw this guy in an alleyway and he, he said, um, Shane, do you realize in your lifetime that you're going to have a meaningful impact on a thousand people? And those thousand will impact another thousand and then those thousand, another thousand. And you, and you indirectly influence a billion people. And I thought, wow. So that means when I smoke cones, I smoke cones for the whole world, right? And so like uh, like my, you know, with when it comes to these political abstract ideas or whatever they're so intangible and so far away from your locus of control that you that you're not actually doing anything you're not actually being moral because you're not influencing it but the point of influence that you can do like just something as simple as eating more leafy greens has a compound moral effect like a butterfly effect it starts from your most central locus of control your own body your own health your own mind your own mental health and then that affects how you relate to other people and that affects their mood and their mental health and it all reverberates out like when you throw a stone into a pond but instead of like focusing on on that inner uh, inner battle between good and evil you're like freaking out shit you can't control like worrying about politics feels to me um like getting upset about the orbit of pluto you know going that's fucking wrong what pluto's doing it's disgusting it's you know and it's also out of my hands it's also out of your hands so it's like it's just the safest little fucking ego defense for people to get into politics and become really self-righteous about that and then also with those ideologies. Did you, do you think that it, the politics became a trigger? Do you think the politics became a trigger for your, um, would you call it extremism? Yeah, yeah. So I was a political extremist. I was an anarchist. I was living in squats, a quick comedy, and I was just like organizing protests and doing stupid shit that was counterproductive. In in uh, Queensland? In Sydney. In Sydney? Yeah. Okay, cool, cool, cool. I was like squatting in fucking Newtown, bro. That's, a, oh man. Okay. Um, my mum would have loved you. You would have been able to. You probably would have. You probably would have been welcome to school. Mate, I would have fucked your mum. <laughs> she would have. You know what? I'm we so probably, glad that I kept. We you. probably would have fucked if we were in the right age and generation. I would have. So you know, Elliot. I would have had to. It would have been like a Kill Bill story. Would have had grown up and killed you uh, as a grown man. You would have been like, uh, do you remember me? You remember? And, and you know what? It would no. This is what it would have been like, right, Elliot? So, um, <laughs> so I would have. I would have been. I would have been your fucking dad. Right, and then I would have just been the worst dad. I would just always put you down. You stuck go, around. It's not good enough. <laughs> you, you stuck around. And well, your sh- mom sucks real good, so I'm, <laughs> I'm hanging out. Got some protests next you know, month, and she'll put up with my shit because her self esteem's low. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I treat your mom like crap, and she puts out good and stuff because she's, you know, she kind of set a boundary. She's she's a weak character. Yeah, she let you in, and then and she let me in, and um and so basically, um you know. So what's going to happen? Yeah. So in that parallel universe, I'm I'm like a really bad dad, and like, 
you know, like uh, you, you win the championship like soccer thing and you kick the ball into the you thing. You showed up? And I, I, I showed, I, I showed, I, you told me about it afterwards and you go, oh, really? How come you didn't get three goals? Did my goals? mom make you come? How come you didn't get three goals? <laughs> you only got one goal? You should be able to get three goals, Elliot. And I'm just really hard At on you. At least you watch. Uh, this is and the you best got, thing uh, you've ever dad, done for me, dad. 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 dad, I got an A. It's like, why didn't you get an A plus, right? That's what it's like for years, right? And you just get <laughs> so in, angry and angry and angrier. And then eventually, and, and eventually, we're like suspended above a platform above a volcano, right? And we're fighting. We've got you lights. You can't afford listen, to take us anywhere that has listen, a volcano. Listen, please. Listen, it's your father. Don't talk <laughs> over right. your father. All right, have some respect. <laughs> all right, all right. So we're over a volcano with the bridge, and we're, we're having a lightsaber duel, right? And then, and then you finally like somehow manage to like stab me. Because like I'm like given to the hate, Elliot. Given to the hate, and then you do, and then you 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 somehow win the lightsaber duel, and I'm there, right? <laughs> and then I'm like, finish it, Elliot. Finish somehow. it, Elliot. Finish it. <laughs> finish it, you weak coward, right? And then you and then you stab me, right? Giving the final blow, and just before I die, it's the only time I ever say, I'm proud of you, son. <laughs> right? That that you call, is you call me son. That is that, and that just and I did that. Just to head fuck you, right? <laughs> Just to think maybe we could have had a relationship, so you, you know? Maybe, the whole family? maybe he did really love me all along, but he was just doing this to make me stronger. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then well, I find a letter that says, uh, Elliot, uh, just in case you thought that I, I, I meant with my final words that I loved you, uh, absolutely not. I was just fucking your mother. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's, uh, that's, that's the revenge. This is Shane Hunter and Elliot E.J. Rovetti uh, replacing Tom for the week on the tremendous podcast, Tommy Hiatus Edition. Um, I have a question for you. There's, uh, look, we, we, uh, we don't have time to get into some sort of organic question, so now I just need to do this uh, awkward segue, this 180-degree turn of a segue. Um, Shane Hunter. Yo. What was the last thing besides this podcast, that you agreed to do that you uh, regret having to do? Honestly, man, the Sydney Comedy Festival. Now, oh, yeah? That, now, that said, uh, you know, I want to, you know, have gratitude. Like, you know, all the guys that helped me do it, obviously Century, they've always been, you know, really, they've actually tried a lot to try and help me, but I'm just a bit of a spaz, right? And, uh, they like are they, really great they, century. They're they, fucking cool. They produce like a, you know, I'm just, I'm just trying to like, you know, make sure I'm not coming, you know, ungrateful to anyone, right? But um, I think in the future, man, um, I've had a lot better results ticket sales wise. Just going to a city, you do a bunch of gigs, you flyer, and then you sell the tickets, and then you get some venue where it's like almost, you know, free hire. And then, dude, you get like 45 people and $20. That's like 900 bucks. It's a $900 fucking gig right there. Mm. Right. Minus your ads and mm. shit. So, and then like I've, you know, it's. So you bypass all of the. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. You do. You do it until you, you you don't need to do it or whatever. And it, it's got nothing to do with, you know, it's just my, my silliness, you know, like uh, it's good to come down, you know, it's good to see the thing, blah, blah, blah. But honestly, man, like as a comedian, it's sort of like you, you get so hung up yeah. on like the Give show side. Give Give these notes. Yeah. So you get so focused on the show side of showbiz that you don't think about the biz. And then I think uh, some comedians only focus on the biz and they you know, they don't have a very good show, right? Interesting. But um, anyway, the point is um, it's a business, man. And so imagine like say the Melbourne Comedy Festival, right? Unless you're like fucking 
you know, it, it's totally sensible for some people to do it. But imagine like you're fucking, you know, they've got, hey, come see the Dave Hughes apple. It's the best apple. It's the most popular apple. We love this apple. Everyone enjoys this rich, nourishing fruit apple. Everyone, it's a household name. Everyone knows this apple. Everyone knows what an apple is, right? And then you're selling some obscure fruit called the, the dangleberry donut fruit outside at the fruit festival, right? And you're like, hey, you want to take a risk on the, the danger, the fucking purple dingleberry fruit? Um, you know, and they're like, no, sorry, we're here to buy some apples. It's like, oh, but look at it. Look, it's got brown skin, but you peel it back. It kind of, it's got some like bitter taste, but it's, you know, it's kind of dark and twisted. But do you want some dangleberry fruit, right? Oh, we'll take a fly. Thanks, sir. Thank you very much. <laughs> and it's sort of like, uh, you know, but then if you kind of like your Facebook ads and all your, your marketing, if you're doing it out of a festival, then you're not competing with 500 people for the same media landscape to promote your shit, mm. right? And so- That's um, a very interesting sort of- Okay, can I ask you this? At least if you have- it does, People get so wrapped up in the institution and the, the tribalism and that's how we are as animals, man. Mm. But like- we lock ourselves into these paradigms and then people start talking about what this person's doing, what this comedian's doing and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, dude, it's, you can walk out of the building and sell this shit anywhere. You know what I mean? Yeah. There was a guy called Jimbo who traveled around Australia for three years. I think years. it's a fascinating fucking concept. But I've, I've never thought of that. I've, I've got dude, a, a question well, based you, on this, but fucking, keep going. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you a story, right? In terms of like the learned helplessness that sometimes <laughs> inflicts um, people. And you know, maybe it's relevant to whatever career you're doing, right? Because I'm sure, you know, people are like, oh, I can't use my science degree. Well, fucking write some shit and sell it to schools or something. I don't know. But um, uh, like, for example, I heard a, a Singaporean guy, comic there. He's, uh, he's a Russian dude, real nice dude. Um, Arthur, like he bought us dinner. He's a sweetheart, right? And he told us a cool story about the first Russian stand-up comedian. So this was like, I think, uh, maybe late 90s or early 2000s or something, right? The first Russian was only in the early 90s? Like actually in Russia as the scene started. Maybe it wasn't the first Russian to stand up. So they didn't have 70s comedy in Russia? That was the fucking Soviet Union, bro. Well, I, I mean, they, 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 educate they, us. They, okay, so there's a man named Stalin. So go on. Okay, so okay, after I'm the treating so everyone Soviet like they Union, don't know that, but I don't know that. Um, so after Stalin, so the Soviet I Union. I can't help everyone, right? So anyway, so this story... <laughs> is um, about the first um, Russian stand-up comedian, right? And so he just saw some Seinfeld, right? And it's like, what is this shit? Oh, that seems sick, you know? And he was probably some ADD spaz like us who's just like has poor judgment. And he's like, I'm going to do this, right? And uh, and oh, just quickly, a little caveat, like with the ADD stuff, apparently there's like less dopamine in the brain, right? And so like the, our baseline enjoyment is less of everything. So mm -hmm. that's why we do extreme shit like mm -hmm. stand-up. Like a lot of, lot of people... Like, oh, how do you get the confidence to go up there? It's like, dude, it's the only way I can feel anything, <laughs> right? And so um, this Russian guy, um, he goes, all right, he writes an hour. His very first gigs, he does an hour. He's written an hour. He gets all his friends and family, everyone he could drag along. He gets them all there, any acquaintances, everyone. He goes, you know, nags everyone in his life. So they all rock up. Maybe there's 50 people there. He does an hour, does it right. They, they enjoyed it. First time ever. So there's like, oh, this is cool, novel, this would right? Be, do they know what comedy is? No, he was teaching them. Right. And so, and then, and then what he did is he went, fuck, fuck, that was so fun, man. I want to do another one, but I only know those same group of people. I know what I'll do. I'll write another hour. Right. <laughs> so this guy's first two gigs has already written two hours of fucking material. It's beginner's mindset. Right. It, yeah. Because this doesn't have the fucking false paradigm that we put ourselves in and then complain 
that were helpless because we're too fucking stupid to realize you can do this shit anywhere in any pub corner, right? And fucking get a crowd. But we put it on a pedestal. But you no, yeah, because because you're just a, you're just a dope, and you're just like, oh, it's the rooms. Oh, it's the fucking rooms. I got to do the rooms. I got to wait in the queue. I got to wait in the queue to sell my Ganipkinop fucking fruit at the fucking Apple Festival, and then like you know, people wonder why they're there. Anyway, so. Yeah, so I think that that kind of that attitude, the the Russian attitude, man. There's nothing stopping you from going to Western Sydney when no one does comedy. You fucking hit up some pub and go, hey, I can get forty people in. Help me market it. They're gonna be desperate. They'll be like, fuck yeah, right? They'll even take on probably some of the risk, right? Here's three hundred dollars to market it. All right, sick, do it. Boom, take some photos, make it a sick show. Get some buddy who you know can help do another twenty or whatever. And then you do, you know, both five minutes of crowd work. You got an hour show. Everyone's had fun. You both walk away with like three hundred dollars each or more. The venue's sick. You take some photos. You go to the venue. Hey, we'll be back in six months. We'll do another thing, and then and then you go to another venue somewhere else where there's no competition. And you go look at all the photos. I can bring people in, and you do that, and you do that. And then if you can get like one of them a month, right? You twelve fucking venues like that. You do them every like six months. You got twenty four proper paid gigs a year. All right. There's sh- there's not that I've been able to achieve that, but like I've done some version of that. Some like horseshit I version of that. And then and then uh. The Sydney comedy scene for, uh, according to Shane Hunter. The uh, free market enterprise that you fucking live in, but you're too dopey to notice it because you you, you think you, you've been trained from being in school to sit there and wait till you graduate class and you get your fucking, you know. So it's just it's all just horse shit. You know, we're talking about like, you know, being immersed in the scene, the, the, the fucking Sydney Kite Flying Association and you're waiting there. You can fly a kite anywhere. Right? You, why do you need to fly a kite with these guys? So I think that I think that that's my whole thing on the whole comedy shit. I love it. I fucking uh, that's amazing. I asked you uh, a question and you answered it. Uh, Shane Hunter, look, this is the part of the show. It's look. It's been a fucking pleasure having you here, replacing Tom um, Whitaker. Uh, it's it's my one of my favorite things um, that we've had happen on the. Tremendous I just podcast. I just love how um, like comedians are so like fucked in the head that like in order to hang out with another human being mm. you need some elaborate pretext. It's <laughs> like you and Tom can't admit that you're just good friends. You can't just be like, hey Tom, you want to hang out and have a beer? No, you you can't be vulnerable and risk the rejection of that. So you both have to have this fucking. This fucking fourth wall pretext. This sacred to, to, time. To, yeah, to, to, to hang out in order to be able to, you know? I fucking couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more. Tom would never hang out. And and frankly, neither would I. Yeah. I, uh, we, we both despise each other. We're both using each other's coattails to see who gets to the top qu- uh, first. Man, yeah, that's it. And you then f- we'll trip the other one and uh, run ahead of them to take their material. Dude, as soon as you can fucking outgrow Tom, dude, that's going to be sick, man. <laughs> Okay, we got the uh, we got the joke of the week. Uh, I I usually have to make a click click for a uh, a Tommy Kevlar, but what I have to make a click click for is a Hunter Kevlar. This is the Hunt Kevlar. Uh, let me ask you uh, what you think about this um, joke. I've got to get this ready. Okay, Shane Hunter. Uh oh fuck, I just lost it as I said, Shane Hunter. Yep. That's my plan. Get you uh get you to put your guard up and then right back down. Um Okay. Shane Hunter. 
with the Hunter Kevlar. Uh, what do you think about this little street joke? Uh, what did Grandpa say before he kicked the bucket? Want to see me kick this bucket as far as I can? I completely fucked up the joke. I compl- I got nervous and fucked it up. And that's where we are. Man, just go to crowd work. Change gears, bro. Uh, like, fucking get in the riff. I thought that I didn't have to read this joke before. And I was like, I'm going to read the joke before. And now, uh, well, what and now are, here we what, are. What, what, what am I meant to do with that, Elliot? What You're you, supposed you to do exactly to? what you did. You're supposed to, if, if anything, it should have been more uh, severe. For you.